Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. If you've got your Bibles open with me to Ruth, Ruth comes right after Judges. Ruth is a book that is written in transition between the Judges and the Kings. I'm excited about what God is going to show us this morning through the book of Ruth. But before we get started, can I get Megan to come forward real quickly for me? She thought she might get out of this, but she's not going to. I just want you to remember this morning what Brandon said if you were here in the opening talked about David's approach when he said it looks as if God sometimes isn't looking or isn't involved and then he went on to begin to proclaim who God was do you remember that you remember him well Brandon has no idea what the sermon was we sang two songs this morning about hope and we're going to talk about hope this morning and I heard this testimony yesterday that I want you to hear because I think it's I think it's where the church has to go if we're going to be effective in our nation and and and, and across the world but um what happened to you so Jason and I um on Friday night decided to run up to Pizza Hut off of 601 and um we walk in and our waitress sits us down and we can automatically see that something's just not quite right. I even made a comment. I was like, is she high? You know, what's, what's going on with her? And the more we watched her, the more um, we realized that something was just emotionally and spiritually wrong. And um, I immediately got, I felt like the Holy Spirit was wanting us to pray for her. And we don't typically pray for our waitress or our waiter. Have you ever done it before? No. Okay, no. So this first time. We've been with people at our mealtime um, who have done that, but we've never personally done that. And um, the more I fought with the Lord, I was like, Lord, I don't want to do this. And um, the more he um, made it very clear that I was going to. And I even told Jason, um, I was like, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's wanting us to pray for her. So she brought us our ticket, and I told her, I said, um, I'm trying to teach my boys how to pray for others, so how can we pray for you? And she said, um, just pray that the Lord will prosper me. And I was like, well, he already wants to do that, but what's something that we can specifically pray for? And she said, well, actually, I'm homeless. And, um, you know, you could see tears starting to well up in her eyes. Um, and I said, well, we will definitely pray for that. And she had to go take care of another table real quick. So Jason motioned her over to our table, and um, he read Jeremiah 29:11. And um, I took her hand, and um, we started praying that the Lord would just um, pour blessings over her, um, provide her a home. And um, by the time we finished praying, um, she was just, she was a wreck. And she actually ended up having to go to the bathroom. And um, I just remember seeing hope in her eyes. Um, when we got there, she was just blank-faced, almost on the verge of rude, um, but the more we watched her, the more we realized that she just needed something. And um, we thank the Lord that we were a vessel that he was able to use on Friday. Amen. Last night, Megan told me that she, at the end, she had hope. Yeah. 
Ruth is one of my favorite passages, books of the Bible. It is, um, it is very modern day. It, it, it is a story. It's only four chapters long. I encourage you when you get home today to read the book of Ruth, and I hope you can get more, even more out of it than I'm going to be able to bring out today. I'm going to read a good little bit of it. But to set the stage, Ruth is a, is a mother. She is a Jew, and, she, in, and there's a famine in, in Judah, in Bethlehem. And her and her husband leave, and they go to Moab, and uh, they have two sons, and, and they arrive in Moab, and they live there for 10-plus years. And their two sons meet two Moabite women, and they get married. And, of course, they're having a family, and they're doing life together. And, obviously, there's, there's great respect, and there's, there's great family dynamics going on here because these two women... Uh, are very attached to Naomi, who is the mother of the two sons. And so we pick up the story. I'm going to start in verse one, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. And, uh, and, and I'm going to kind of pick up there. The husband has died, and the two sons have died. And so now Naomi is a widow, and the two daughter-in-laws are widows. Okay? Everybody with me? So then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard that in the country uh, that in in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited His people by giving them bread. So all the way in Moab, she had she had heard that God had begun to bless Israel again. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law. Two daughters-in-law were with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go and, and return to your mama's house. <laughs> Go back to your mama. And her mama was saying, No, no, don't come back here. <laughs> That's not what was going on. That was, that was what I would say. That was what I would say. She said, y'all go to your mama's house. And then the Lord deal kindly with you there as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest in each of the house of her husband. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So that she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say that I have hope, and if I should have a husband even tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them so that you can marry them? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Oprah, Orpha, I'm sorry, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah, Oprah Winfrey kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, 
Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Urge me, mama, not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a powerful passage of scripture. We're going to continue reading here in just a minute. But this is one of the things that I want to point out to you. You're going to find that Ruth is very attracted to Naomi and to Naomi's God. And the reason she is is because for 10 plus years, Naomi has been a great example to what a godly mother looks like. You can tell in the relationship that they have that she's, they, these two young women have had an incredible example of what a mother is. And one of them is weeping, but she goes back. But Ruth refuses to go back because she sees the faith of Naomi and she has seen the faithfulness of God in Naomi's life, even in the midst of tough situations. But what you see with Naomi currently is that somehow she's lost vision. She's lost the ability in the midst of disaster losing a husband and losing two sons to have an accurate view of who God is. And you're going to see that in this passage of Scripture. But what you also see is that you have, not only do you have Naomi, who is, who's been a great example of faith and walking with the Lord, and, and then she's in this time of distraught and time of mourning in a time of incredible discouragement because somehow she's come to the conclusion that God has punished her and doesn't love her anymore. And that's what Brandon was just talking about just a minute ago. That's what some of the songs that we were singing just a minute ago talked about that our, our hope is in him. Michael even sang, you know, even or that, that whole passage in David and my, some of the songs we were singing, you know, even when things, they go south and, and sometimes we feel like we're just so far away from God or God's hand is not upon us anymore. But somehow God has forgotten about us. And I think that's kind of even possibly normal to have that thought. And I don't know that we could, we could condemn somebody for, for having those kinds of thoughts as long as you don't live there. But what was neat about this picture is now that the daughter-in-law has watched her mother-in-law for years and years and years be the kind of example of a Christian woman that she has been. She kind of picks up the torch and carries it for her mother-in-law. She refuses to give in to the idea that I'm giving up. And I'm not giving up on the God that I've seen be faithful in your life either. Your God is going to be my God. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Wherever you live, that's where I'm going to live. Because I want to serve the God that you've been serving. And so Ruth kind of picks that up. And then they go, and they end up in Bethlehem. And, of course, they're, they're, they're destitute in Bethlehem. They're coming, they're coming into Bethlehem. Obviously, it looks 
that Ruth is from a traditional family. She's, she's very popular when she comes back. You're going to see that in a minute. And there's this celebration when Naomi comes in. Excuse me, I said Ruth, I meant Naomi. When Naomi comes back, she comes back to a traditional family. Most likely she comes from money. Everybody knew who she was, and when she comes back, there's this, there's this celebration that occurs when she comes back. And let's, let's kind of pick up where I just left off. Where did I leave off? 18. When we saw that she, she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her, and the two of them went, and they went back to Bethlehem. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. Say that with me. All the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is that Naomi? <laughs> you got you know, you to do that kind of thing when you read the Bible or it gets boring. You know, you got to get in there. All these women were, oh, it's Naomi. Look, it's Naomi. Here she goes. Right? The dudes would have been like, yo. <laughs> Ain't that no Naomi? I think that is. She's looking good. Naomi is. Anyhow. It's this happy, <laughs> it's this happy return. But this is what she's, <laughs> this is how she responded. This blows me away, y'all. You've got this incredible reception. You have this excitement, this joy, this coming this way. And Naomi says this, don't call me Naomi which means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Myra. Call me bitter. For the Lord Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She's ashamed. She's hurt and she's discouraged and she's forgotten who her God really is. I think that is so prevalent, especially in the church, especially when it comes to our faith. When we don't see God moving in a way that, that we think he ought to, so oftentimes discouragement comes, and it's so important to, to have your faith and your hope be on the nature and the name of God. You've got to understand who he is and who you are in him, and no matter what your circumstances are, I've been preaching this for months, you've got to know your God. It's so important to know who he is, to be established, so that when life shakes you up, you're going to be firm in who you are. You're going to be able to have faith that you serve a God who's faithful. You're going to have to have hope that you serve a God who is able to overcome, who is able to, to bring you from a place of lack to a place of abundance. When all things look like they've gone south, you've got to have a, an ability, a hope, a faith that God's still on your side. That if God could be for you, then who could be against you? Well, she's obviously lost this because all her buddies come running to her and say, it's Naomi, it's Naomi, it's Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter. 
because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Question mark. Wrong perspective. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And there's a relative there. His name's Boaz. Trying to figure out where I want to read all this. Yeah, I do. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain for after him in whose sight I may have found favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she left and she went and she gleaned the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to, to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Which shows that there was still faith. Then Boaz said to his servant, Who was the, in charge of the reapers, Who's this young woman? And where she come from? So the servant was in charge of the reapers, answered and said, This is the young Moabite woman who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves and so she came as, as, uh, and has continued from morning until now, though she rested just a little bit in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean another field nor from here, but stay close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go uh, get the vessels and drink from the vessels that the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me that all you have done for your mother-in-law, is you've got a reputation, you've got character since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people who you do not know. The Lord repay you work and with full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under those wings who you have taken refuge. So Ruth comes in. She comes up underneath Boaz. And there's this principle in, in Judaism called a kinsman redeemer. And it was established by God. And it was if you are a widow, if you lose your husband, then it's the next of kin can, can take you in and care for the woman. And that was called a kinsman redeemer. And Boaz was her kinsman redeemer, and she was gleaning in that field, and Boaz saw her, and, and it ended up that Boaz takes her as, her as his wife, and they have children. In hurt and in tragedy, we all can have a misconception of who God is. We all can get a blurred vision of who God is. The, the key to success is not to live there, is not to stay there. 
The key to being a successful Christian is for you to, if that thought begins to come, you do like David did, as we just read just a little bit ago. David's attitude was, it looks like, God, you're nowhere close. It looks like, God, that you're not even watching over any of this thing that's going on. Are you not aware of my circumstances? I know that you are, God, because you're holy. You're a holy God. You're set apart. You're like no other. You're great. God says, the work I began in you, I'll be faithful to complete it. You can count on the fact that God is a faithful God, just like David did. So even though David knew that it seemed as if God wasn't working in his circumstances, that God really was aware and at work in the midst of his circumstances. So even though it, we have a tendency to be discouraged and wonder if God sees, we've got to know by faith and our hope has to be placed in the idea that God loves you with an everlasting love, that his love is deep and wide and broad, and there's nowhere you can go that you can't experience the love of God. You've got to know that in your heart. You've got to walk in that. You've got to accept that. No matter what you see, you are the favorite of the Lord. No matter what circumstances you face, he has not left you. No matter how hard it is right now, the joy of the Lord comes in the morning. He comes. Is anybody relating to this story so far? If you're not, you will. Because life ebbs and flows. We go through good times and we go through bad times. Naomi's character. Was the kind of Christian character. That attracted a Moabite woman. That made a woman be attracted to her God. I oftentimes am so challenged by the idea that my character and my nature, that my actions and that my love for other people, are they attracting people to my God? So important. So important that, that we be like Ruth in certain circumstances and that we're going to be around people in this room and people outside of this room that are in other churches that are going to begin to go through tough times. And they've been strong Christians for a long time. You've known them through the years. And then you hear them say something. You can't even believe that that came out of their mouth. You might not even believe when they're going through a tough time that they have those kinds of thoughts about God. But you need to have mercy on them and you need to be a Ruth to them. You need to be a reminder of who they used to represent. You need to tell them and, and stand by them and continue to help them get back to that place of stability in who they are in Christ and who he is. Because at the end of this story, what you'll see is that there's a kinsman redeemer. Skip over to chapter 4 if you've got your Bibles. I 
I'm going to start in verse 13. So they go through all this, and Boaz marries Ruth. Praise the Lord. And she conceives and has a baby. Do you remember what Naomi's stand was? God has dealt bitterly with me. Don't you follow me because I can't help you. There's nothing the Lord can do through me that's going to benefit you. You just go do your thing and leave me alone. You go, be, you go live your life. You don't need to waste your time with me. Because I can't produce anything that's going to bring you any benefit at all. Matter of fact, the Lord has taken his hand off of me. And he has dealt bitterly with me. And there's no way that I can meet your needs. Which is the very farthest thing from the truth. Because what we find is, is that, that Boaz, I mean, Naomi's husband's brother marries Ruth. And she conceives. And so as Ruth follows Naomi back, she marries Boaz. They have a child. And let's look at what happens. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you. Listen to that. Then the women who greeted her says, You came to us and you said, The Lord has, don't call you pleasant anymore, call you bitter. That's what you said to us. But here's the truth. Here's the misconception. The misconception is you thought God forgot about you. and That's not the case. He ain't never left you. He's always been with you. And he is blessing you. He's blessing you. Because you're his favorite. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. He has not left you this day without a close relative without a kinsman redeemer, without a redeemer. That close relative means a redeemer. And his name, may his name be famous in all of Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and began to nurse him. And all the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there's a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. It might not have any significance to you. from a place where you felt you were totally alone and by yourself and that God had forsaken Naomi. She feels totally as if 
she didn't matter to God. And that God not only did she not matter, but God was actually bitter towards her. And that was her reality. Because it was her perception of who God was and who she was in his sight. And it was a wrong image of not only God, but of her. And through that, and through Ruth's steadfastness to who Naomi used to be before she went through this tough time, Naomi's redeemed. Ruth is redeemed. And the son of Ruth is Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David, who is the lineage, <laughs> lineage of Jesus Christ. So when you think that God's done with you, that he doesn't see you, there's a redeemer. There's a restorer. There's one who wants to bring something through you that you can't see. Naomi never saw it coming. She never knew what hit her. But she lived a period of her life in total discouragement and probably some semblance of depression that she didn't have to live in if she didn't let herself go to a place where she didn't believe who God was or who she was in God. That she would have always maintained faith in his ability to work the miraculous. Anybody need Jesus to work in circumstances in your life right now? I mean, you, you, you need the Lord. Some of you are Naomi's. You're discouraged. Some of you need to be Ruth's, and we're going to be those things all through life. But let me just ask you one question. wonder if Ruth hadn't gone with Naomi. wonder if Ruth would have stayed home. wonder if she went back to her mama. There wouldn't be a kinsman redeemer. There wouldn't be a Jesse. There wouldn't be a David. And there couldn't have been a lineage for Christ. An act of obedience. Now here's the challenge. You're Ruth. You're Ruth for somebody. You're Naomi for somebody. 
You said this woman didn't have any hope. She looked distraught. She looked hopeless. And you went and you prayed with her, and she had a glimmer, a glimpse of hope. If we don't do it, church, it does not get done. If you don't go out of here and meet with people that are Naomi's, that are discouraged and have lost their way and have feel like there's no hope, if you don't pray with them, if you refuse to go because it's uncomfortable, you're just like Ruth not showing up on the scene. You are the one that God uses to, to move into people's lives. You bring the kingdom of God. You have the hope in you. It's the hope of glory. You have the hope of the miraculous. You know who God is. You know who you are in Him. You know who He is, period. And then you know what He wants to be for somebody else who's out there hurting. If we don't do it, church, who's going to do it? If we don't go and minister hope, who's going to minister hope? People don't come in here in droves because they have won't hope. They come in here randomly or sporadically or sometimes when they're, you know, at their last on their last straw, maybe they've been churched and they want to check it out. But most people don't walk in these kinds of buildings when they're hopeless. Because they're so discouraged and they're so distraught, they don't have any hope. And God says, I want you to go. And I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and tell people who I am. I want you to pray the kingdom into their lives. I want you to touch them, love them. In Corinthians, it says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith is faith in God. Hope is hope in God's ability to do something extraordinary in the midst of places that it doesn't look like he's doing anything. And love is just carrying out the mission of God. Love is about commitment, not a feeling. It's about how you respond to people. Do you, God says, love him and love people. Respond to people that are discouraged and hopeless with the gospel of Jesus because he can do in them. He is, listen to me, he is their kingdom, kinsman, redeemer. He's the answer. And you have it. And you can abandon them or you can come alongside of them. One of the things that I'm reminded of, I'm going to close right here, Michael. One of the things I'm reminded of working with West Stanley Christian Ministries is those, there's a lot of those folks that we're dealing with and that we deal with everywhere, but it's just teaching me a lot. You need to be coming. If you're not coming, you need to be coming. Because the Lord will he'll, he'll wear you out. He will wear you out. Because most of these people are unlovable. Almost. 
Most of these people don't have anything to give you. You have nothing to gain. Nothing. Because they're hopeless and discouraged and depressed and addicts and depending on everything else except God. And I stood there yesterday in tears remembering that Jesus said, come in, come on in. I was like, come in. He said, why do I deserve to come in? Because when I was hungry, you fed me. Because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when did I do that, Lord? When you did it to the least of these. When you did it to the least of these. When there's nothing to gain. They're, they're not only there. Robert, thank you for letting us minister with you. But they're not only there. They're, they're at the restaurant. They're everywhere. And you have the Redeemer in you. You hopefully have a proper perspective of who God is and who you are in them and what their possibilities are. And that God can take the worst circumstance the most defeated individual and bring forth a savior. He can bring forth Billy Grahams. He can bring forth incredible worship leaders. He can bring forth great men of God, great women of God through that waitress, through that person that you touch or that you love. And that's the story of Ruth. It's practical. It's biblical. It's what the church is supposed to be. It's who we are. We're the loving hands of God that shows the world that there is hope, that you can place your faith in Him because He is faithful and that He is a God of miraculous. He is a God of miracles. Hope. Heaven opened on people brings exceptional results I want to be that man I'm going to see that happen to y'all we've got Easter coming up if you eat at a single restaurant and don't pray with your waiter shame on you if you go to a checkout counter and you don't pray with the person ask them how can I pray for you you ask them you get bold. You begin to ask people about praying for them. You ask them. Let them think you're crazy. You are crazy. But let them think it. But some will walk away, but very rarely. Most people just weep because they need prayer and they need the Lord. One last thing. I'll use you, brother. I had never used you before. Let's say that this is an unbeliever. An unbeliever. You believe, right? Yes. I thought you did.
if I come into agreement with him, what's the scripture tells us? Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, right? But if I put my hand on him, that's pretty much agreement, is it not? Father. All I've got to do is call on the Father. Father, we come to you because we need you. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring revelation to my friend. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would move in his life and that he would see that it's you, that it would blow his mind. That he would see things and have vision about his life and what you want for him and how much you love him like he's never had before. And I ask a blessing upon his life that will blow him away. And so I pray blessing on him. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.